Disease and pestilence, economic disruption, terrorism, wars, threat of nuclear war, climate change, business and bank failures, frustration, anger, depression, suicide. Everywhere you turn today, it seems like everything is falling apart with nothing but doom and gloom in the news. What's a person to do? Whom do you turn to when everything in your world is collapsing all around you? Stay tuned, because the answer to these and related questions are just ahead on today's podcast. Welcome to the Bible Questions podcast, brought to you by BibleQuestions.org and the Holly Street Church of Christ. This podcast is dedicated to answering your Bible questions from the Bible. My name is Brian, and along with Jeff, we are the hosts of this program. Hello, and welcome to the Bible Questions podcast. Great to have you along, Brian and Jeff, as usual. Yeah, Jeff, you know, uh, based on what you just said in your teaser, we do know that we live in a challenging environment today. It seems like, you know, there's a lot going on that, that can be difficult to deal with. But yet, one thing that we see in the Bible is that, you know, we still have many reasons to rejoice and count our blessings. And that can be kind of tough to do, can it, when we live in an environment where we might be frustrated or things are going on around us that we're not exactly happy about. Well, and certainly in some ways, a lot of that gets amplified via our news programs, via social media. I mean, there's a, a famous quote that says, if it bleeds, it leads in terms of, you know, those are the kinds of things that, that make the news. And as a result, yeah, we can get very uh, caught up in all of the problems that are going on around us in our cities, in our country, you know, around the planet. And as a result, get into a very negative uh, mindset. But as you indicated, the Bible, at least for those who are willing to pay attention to what it says, gives us a very different perspective uh, on things. And as a result, can result in a very different, seemingly odd attitude when everything around us is, you know, uh, going bad. You know, we can still have a sense of joy, uh, which, again, seems contradictory. But we'll, we'll start our way through that. Yeah, I really like your point because... Inevitably, those that watch news programs or even social media, it does seem to always be focused on the negative. And I guess some of that is because people find it more interesting for whatever reason. But as you just mentioned, the Bible gives us many reasons to rejoice. And it is about perspective because, you know, if we compare our lives to the lives of those in the first century or the prophets and those who were persecuted and killed and stoned and all those things, well, Probably what we deal with pales in comparison, we might say. And so why don't we start off by just kind of talking about, you know, introductory comments about how, you know, we serve a magnificent and generous God who brings us joy. It was God's intention, we see in many passages, for us to be happy. And, you know, just a real, like I say, a few fundamental reasons why this should be the case is that first and foremost, he provides for the physical needs of his creation. So, for instance, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17 says, God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. So this very creation, the way God designed it, the flowers and the blue skies and the gentle breeze and all those things, the food that we can grow and enjoy, was really designed for our happiness. Acts chapter 14 and verse 17, it talks about how God gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. So just another example of that. Now, 
He also, and probably more importantly, provides for the spiritual needs of his creation by, of course, giving us guidance through his word. So like Psalm 119, 162, the writer there says, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. So when you think about the value of the gospel, the value of the truth, certainly something that we can be happy about. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells us, you know, if we do trust in the Lord with all our heart and do not lean on our own understanding, he will direct our paths, we're told in verse 6. So God's not leaving us out here alone with no guidance. He's right there alongside us to help guide us along the way. Now, another element there as sinners, you know, God has given us salvation and eternal life through his son, Jesus. So, Jeff, could I get you to read First Peter chapter 1? verse 3 and 4, where it talks about this salvation. Certainly. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. So as sinners, God has given us a way to resolve that, through his son Jesus, to be brought back into a relationship with him. And then ultimately, as verse 4 says, to an eternal inheritance that does not fade away. In other words, eternal life in heaven, if we'll just simply do what he asks us to do. Uh, that's, that's certainly a reason to rejoice. Now, if you're married, you can certainly rejoice if you have a godly spouse. And there are passages like Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 4 that says, An excellent wife is the crown of her husband. So for those of you that are married, I think you would agree. If you have somebody who's spiritually minded, they are joint heirs with you. They help you to get to heaven. That's a, certainly a reason to rejoice and a blessing from the Lord. And the same with children. You know, the Bible talks about how if we have children, it's considered a blessing from the Lord. So Psalm 127, beginning in verse 3, it says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. So as parents, we have the honor and privilege when we have children to help shape them, to help put them in a position where they also will love the Lord and want to serve him and so forth. And so we can look at a lot of different, once again, these are all just kind of fundamental reasons why that we can rejoice. I'll just give us one more and then we'll move on. And, and that is, you know, God has blessed us with the day of life. So every day that we get up, God has given us that as a day of life that we might serve him, that we might make a positive impact in somebody else's life. And, you know, Psalm 118, verse 24, love this verse where it says, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And then Galatians 6.10 talks about, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And so when you discover joy, if you will, being able to help others and serve others and see the difference that you can make in their life, well, once again, that's something that brings us joy. And we don't necessarily help people just for joy, but it's just a natural output when you do those things that are helpful to others. So, Jeff, before we move on to the next section, any thoughts you'd like to add on kind of those fundamental reasons why we can rejoice? Well, and as we mentioned before, sometimes we get wrapped around, you know, the current events of the day because we sometimes we might experience them. But more often than not, we just see them through, you know, the media, 
uh, in one form or another. A lot of the things you mentioned can be visible, you know, as sources of, of encouragement, but more often than not, they're sort of like either behind the scenes or somewhat invisible. Uh, for instance, you were talking about salvation. You know, certainly not something that we can sense with our you know, senses, uh, but something we can know through, you know, the, what God has revealed through the scriptures. The other thing, as you said, you know, matter of perspective, for instance, you were talking about, you know, children, blessing from the Lord. Now, you might not think that if you're in the middle of experiencing, you know, a child who is having an illness or a child who is getting cranky or a child who is acting, you know, rebellious. But if you can, again, like look behind the scenes uh, and recognize that, you know, life in many ways, you know, comes from God, you know, they can be a blessing. You know, you can work with them <laughs> and, you know, work some of these issues out, you know, with them uh, and indeed have it result in a blessing. So, uh, again, some of these blessings are kind of visible. Some are sort of, you know, behind the scenes, which is why we need to keep reminding ourselves of them, because in some cases they're not you know, readily apparent to us. Yeah, great point. And in fact, to that point, our next section, you know, we kind of extend and talk about from a spiritual perspective, because that's what's the most important. What are some reasons, Jeff, that, that we can rejoice and count our blessings when we really kind of focus on the spiritual versus the physical? Right. Well, at a very, very base level, simple level, you know, the fact that there is a God, there is a creator, you know, of the you know, Genesis 1-1, uh, first chapter in the Bible, that this you know entity has you know power that we you know cannot even begin to imagine you know to create life planets galaxies etc and yet despite having such incredibly unbelievable power still cares for us cares for us as humanity cares for us as individuals and, and blesses us in, in this you know, small corner of the universe. I'm kind of reminded of uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, where it says, talking about being sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son, and this is, you know, our <laughs> S-U-N, son, makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. You know, in terms of, you know, we benefit from the blessings of his uh, creation, for instance. Uh, or maybe Second uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 9, in terms of, uh, you know, caring for us, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The other thing I'm reminded of, you know, Psalms 55, verse 22, talks about casting your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. You'll never permit the righteous to be moved. So, you know, having a, you know, God, if you will, you know, creator of the universe, still care about us, is an incredible, uh, you know, blessing. So, Brian, why don't you go ahead and read for us to kind of drive this point home, uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39. Yeah, I like this passage because it does talk about the depth of God's love. So, it says, uh, Romans 8, beginning in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long, for we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yeah, in some ways, Brian, that that's kind of like all inclusive, <laughs> right? Definitely. Uh, yeah, in terms, in some ways, you know, you know, things are going on with the government, things are going around about us, even to the point of perhaps even being persecuted. Uh, in addition to you know normal stuff that everyone is potentially subject to, like you know disease and economic disruption, that none of this, none of this, can separate us from God's love also we have you know assurances you know through the scriptures that god hears us you know when we talk to him and when we address him uh, via prayer uh first peter chapter 3 verse 12 for the eyes of the lord are on the righteous his ears are open to their prayers but the face of the lord is against those who do evil brian here's here's another passage if you would if you read for our listeners uh, philippians chapter 4 verses 6 through 8 and a lot of comfort and encouragement that we can get through prayer. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting in these last two points you've made, it, it really does show us that God will always be there for us. He will never leave us and forsake us. And that that's encouraging. And this passage, to your point, is right along that line. So Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So, you know, Jeff, what I like about this is not only does it talk about, hey, if you are going through anxiety, go to the Lord in prayer, but then also refocus your mind and think about these pure and holy and lovely things and not what's necessarily always going on around you, right? Which is so easy to do. Well, and, and I think that's a very good point because as we said before, all around us, TV, social media, you know, videos on YouTube, you know, search the internet, you know, it's, there's just a lot of doom and gloom and we can fixate on that stuff because, you know, again, it is something we can actually, you know, see, you know, either via media or sometimes we see for ourselves, you know, decay in our cities or economic problems we're going through, you know, diseases and et cetera that are kind of running rampant. Uh, and we can sort of like lose our perspective. And you will probably hear that word over and over again about having the right, you know, perspective on things and start taking for granted a lot of things that are pure, lovely, of good report, you know, around about us. Uh, and lose sight of those because, you know, in some ways, you know, the sun rises every day. We've got, you know, reasonably good, you know, food to eat. Uh, generally, most of the time, we're reasonably healthy and we tend to forget, uh, tend to, we get, tend to get accustomed, if you will, to, to those kinds of things, taking them for granted. So I appreciate that point as well. Other things that, you know, reasons to rejoice or other things we can count as blessings. How about having, and this sounds a little odd, how about having the Bible? At the very least from the perspective of giving us guidance, giving us instructions, giving us insight into 
the way things work that we would not normally have, uh, instructing us things to avoid that would harm us, etc. Uh, Psalms 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Uh, later on, uh, verse 162. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. So certainly we can get a lot of uh, rejoicing, if you will, and comfort from the scriptures that would steer us away from things that would harm us, both spiritually and sometimes even physically, uh, and steer us toward things that are for our benefit. Uh, how about having comfort in the Lord as our shepherd? And of course, that brings to mind Psalms 23. Brian, you want to read that? Uh, verses 1 through 6? Yeah, here's Psalm of David that says, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Yes, and, and particularly in the, in the middle of that reading, Brian, you know, verse 4, you, know, you, you often will hear this, you know, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You, know, you provide me a comfort, if you will, even in the darkest of times. Something else that we can rejoice and you know, count our blessings, the fact that we can have, certainly God loves humanity, wants what's best for humanity, makes his you know, sun to shine on everyone, makes his rain to you know, fall, fruitful seasons, etc. But we can have a special, if you will, relationship, a special peace with him through Jesus Christ his atoning sacrifice, etc. Uh, I'm reminded of Romans chapter 5, the first two verses. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Also, and Brian, I guess the last point I'll talk here about, uh, you know, counting our blessings. Certainly, the times that can really hit us hard uh, in terms of getting sad, angry, depressed, etc., is prolonged illness and death, you know, particularly, you know, within our family. Uh, it can be a very, very trying time. And yet we can get comfort if they were Christians, if they had been saved, if they had, you know, died, quote unquote, you know, in Jesus. In fact, Paul writing to the Thessalonians, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, starting with verse 13, kind of addresses this subject and gives them that sense of comfort, beginning again with verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, of course, euphemism for having died, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, and this is referring to the second coming, will by no means precede those who are asleep or dead. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of an archangel 
and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So a lot of reasons to rejoice, you know, and count our blessings based on, you know, who God is, the fact that he loves us, he hears the prayers of the righteous, gives us guidance through his word, can give us comfort, can give us peace, uh, and ultimately can give us that peace and comfort, if you will, uh, even in the death of loved ones, if they've been faithful. Yeah, and to kind of leverage that point, Let's now talk about, you know, rejoicing in adversity. I mean, what you just described certainly is adversity and something that all of us will experience as far as, you know, death of loved ones at some point in our life. So how do we deal with that? You know, how is it possible at times to rejoice in adversity? Maybe if we're being persecuted. Well, there's this saying some may have heard an idiom, you know, silver linings and dark clouds. So in other words, there often can be something good that can be taken out of even the most dire of circumstances. So as we kind of touched on at the very beginning of our podcast, you know, when we see maybe in the country that we live in, that there's this increase in ungodliness, you know, it gives us joy, or it should give us joy to know that the Lord is in control and everyone will be judged. Now, we may not like it and we shouldn't like sin, but what we should find comfort in is that ultimately God is over everything. God is in control and he is not going to let somebody take our soul from us, for instance. They can kill our body, but they can't kill our soul, so to speak. We are in complete control of that. And as it relates to the devil, and we'll get into some of this in a little bit here, but you know, God's given us the power over Satan to resist temptation. We can't be forced to sin. So these are all things that help us, as we've been saying all along, to kind of keep perspective. And so Psalm chapter 67, beginning in verse 3, Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth. So the Bible tells us that God is in control of all the nations on earth, and he is the one who allows those who lead to be appointed or not. And so that should give us comfort. In fact, just reading through the scriptures, we see how God has exercised his authority, if you will, over mankind on many occasions to remove those who are wicked at times and certainly to lift up those who are righteous. Uh, Jeff, can I get you to read Psalm 96? Uh, Let's look at verses 9 through 13, where it also talks about this control, if you will. Okay. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world also is firmly established. It shall not be moved. He shall judge the peoples righteously. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar in all its fullness. Let the field be joyful in all that is in it. Then all the trees of the woods will rejoice before the Lord. For he is coming, for he is coming to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with his truth. So there will be a righteous judgment. God is in control. And the earth reflects God's wonderful qualities. That's what he wanted. We talked about him creating the earth that we might enjoy it. And it's kind of interesting how we see this language here about the heavens rejoicing and the seas roaring and all of that. 
Well, it's because all of that speaks to God's wonderful beauty and, and uh, kindness and love and, and so forth. And so we want to focus on all those wonderful things and realize once again, God is in control. There will be a righteous judgment. So let's take comfort in that. Another thing that happens when we go through adversity is, is we get a chance to reveal our faith. And First Peter chapter 1 talks about how the genuineness of our faith is revealed. And if we pass the test of adversity, we should rejoice because of that. So 1 Peter 1, beginning in verse 6, says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen you love, Though now you do not see him yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. So what a beautiful passage this is as well, because it's just saying when you suffer, when you go through these fiery trials, your faith is going to be tested. And if it's shown to be genuine, if it's shown to be able to stand up to this adversity, Ultimately, it praises God and Jesus, and we receive the end of our faith, which means eternal life, the salvation of our souls, being able to spend eternity in heaven with God. So we know, based on what the scriptures teach us, that God notices, and God is very pleased and we're able to stand up to this adversity, which can be very difficult. In fact, the Bible takes it one step further and says that we grow stronger when we persevere, when we go through this adversity. And so James 5 says, my brethren, this, be, this is beginning in verse 10 of James 5, my brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. And so Job went through some terrible adversity we all at times can go through, maybe not as much as he did, but still, we all will go through it. And of course, God is there for us, and it helps us to grow stronger in the Lord. One final example here is Jesus. Jeff, if I could get you to read Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, he's another example of someone who went through tremendous adversity at times, but yes, showed us the strength that we should seek after. Right. And, and, and before I read Hebrews 12, I would encourage our listeners to, you know, go back to Hebrews 11, uh, yeah. uh, which is you know, Hebrews 12 is like a continuation, almost of the same thought of, of the, the thought was introduced or the topic that was introduced in, in chapter 11 of, of all, all the kinds of situations that a lot of the faithful have encountered and persevered through those adverse circumstances. But continuing on Hebrews 12, uh, starting in verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. So Jesus was a wonderful example of somebody, as it says there in verse 3, endured such hostilities from sinners, but he ran with endurance. So in other words, he wasn't going to let 
those who treated him unfairly to derail him, so to speak. But he focused on doing what God wanted him to do. And so he's a wonderful example for us. You know, beyond ourselves, of course, we also can comfort others. And so the Bible talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, how there's great value in being somebody who can help calm and who can encourage those who are going through their own adversity. So 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And so that is one thing that God really expects us to do and that we should see the value in doing because sometimes people are overcome with it. It could be maybe somebody tragically died. They didn't expect to die. They, you know, it was all of a sudden. And, and that can be very, very difficult to deal with. Well, God's given us the tools, so to speak, to deal with that. We should use those same tools to comfort others. And then, you know, you think about, you know, when we endure, we're a good example for people like our children, our coworkers. You know, children will look at parents on how they handle adversity, and we can have tremendous influence on how they deal with it as well. And then, you know, there are going to be times when we don't handle a trial or tribulation well. We might blame others. We might blame God. We might lash out in anger. But there can be that silver lining in the dark cloud in that if we can reflect and learn from it, if at the end of the day or after we go through that, we say, you know, I, I didn't like the way I handled that. God taught me to handle that a little bit better than I did. So let's, let me reflect from it. Let me learn from it so that next time I respond differently. And the final passage here I'll, I'll read and then I'll turn it over to you, Jeff, is that God has promised that he will never leave us or forsake us. And we see in Psalm chapter 9, beginning in verse 7, it says, But the Lord shall endure forever. He has prepared his throne for judgment. He shall judge the world in righteousness, and he shall administer judgment for the peoples in uprightness. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And those who know your name will put their trust in you, for you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. In fact, you might remember God told Moses, and he told Joshua, and he told Solomon, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So as Isaiah chapter 59 says, we separate ourselves from God when we sin. But as we're also told in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 that Jeff was talking about earlier, God has said, I'm here for you when you have anxiety. You know, go to him in prayer. He is our refuge in times of trouble. He will always be there for us. And that should bring us great comfort. Jeff? Well, and a lot of things we're, you know, been talking about so far through the podcast uh, might apply to, you know, anyone, any situation. You know, for instance, early on, you know, we talked about uh, getting ill, you know, having a disease, uh, even death, if you will, you know, economic disruption, political environments, etc. But especially for those who are trying to live, you know, a faithful life according to the scriptures, there are some special, you know, trials and tribulations, if you will, that come on them when they're trying to do what's right and those around them are making fun of them, uh, maybe even persecuting them and throwing them in jail, perhaps, you know, at least in some parts of our you know, world and back through history, uh, actually, you know, killing them, you know, murdering them, 
turning them into martyrs. And yet, even in those kinds of circumstances, the scriptures give us encouragement. But not only encouragement, Brian, uh, actually say that we can rejoice in such circumstances. And to me, that uh, is a very challenging kind of a contradiction, right? Yeah, it could be tough to see it that way, right? <laughs> to rejoice. Well, exactly. And, you know, we were talking about, pers- you know, having proper perspective. Rejoice when someone's calling me a name at work. Or, or rejoice when, you know, I don't get, uh, you know, promoted on the job because I'm trying to be a Christian and everyone else is advancing because they're cheating the customer or, or you know, whatever the case may be. In fact, Brian, can I have you uh, read for our listeners First Peter chapter 1, uh, verses 6 through 9? Yeah, here it says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being more precious then gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom ye have not seen, you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Right. Now, in this particular translation, you know, uses the word trials. Uh, other translations might use the word adversity, affliction, trouble. Um, similar passage over in Romans chapter 5, uh, verses uh, 1 through 4, 6 through 11, give or take. Uh, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith unto this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of God. Okay. But not only that, we also glory in tribulations. Hmm. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Interesting, Brian, in this particular passage, the word translated as tribulation, or tribulations, a pressing together, pressure, figuratively oppression, affliction, distress, etc. So even, you know, even even in the face of religious persecution, you know, we can have endurance and have joy, which, again, sounds just, you know, contradictory. And that's because we have a different perspective, right? a, a more global perspective or, or a more uh, enduring perspective or the, a long-range perspective. Or maybe even, you know, we, we can see behind the scenes and know what's going on that you can't observe with your normal senses because there is a God we know he loves us. He wants what's best for us. And and even if we do die in this life, there's a better life to come. Yeah, that's such an important point because often, I mean, nobody wants to go through tribulations, but when we see the value that they can produce to allow us to better handle them in the future, you know, I kind of think about from a physical perspective, you know, when you work in your yard, let's say, or you work with tools, you develop calluses that prevent you from getting blisters. And so that hardening on your hands, let's say, makes it much easier as you continue to do work. You're now able to endure that work without physical blisters. Well, it's the same spiritually. We can rejoice because we become stronger. And, you know, I've noticed in my life, Jeff, when I was younger, there would be things that would really bother me. And I'd be thinking about them all the time. But as you endure more and more, you're like, well, that's no big deal. I've got this, as we might say, right? And so now you become more confident. 
that not only can you endure that tribulation, but now you can actually become stronger, not let it bother you, if you will, deflect things that people may say to you that are hateful, and, and just remember that this is about pleasing God, doing the good works that he's given me to do, and not allowing myself to be derailed because I don't have that strength or perseverance that only comes by actually going through the trials and enduring them, right? Right. Well, and you know, in some ways, I think we can easily relate to like the example you had of, you know, gardening or, you know, walking or, you know, like physical exercise, you know, being in the gym. Uh, and the more you exercise, the stronger you get. You know, it, there may be some, you know, degree of pain involved, but, you know, you, you're getting stronger. And, you know, likewise in, in the spiritual realm, you know, the probably the, the weakest Christians are those who never have problems in their life or never have to be, you know, they're never confronted by stuff. And when such eventually occurs, you know, they crumble and fall and, you know, just shatter and broken into pieces uh, because they, they lack that uh, endurance, if you will, or, or building their building up their spiritual muscles, so to speak. Yes, indeed. All right. So I think we're at the point in our podcast where we often are as we near the end where we like to share questions that we've received from our website, biblequestions.org, with our audience uh, related to the topic. And we've got one here today, Brian, for you from Thomas. He writes in, I seem to have lost my joy. Any chance it can be restored? Yeah, this is a good question I like because there's many reasons why we could lose our joy. Certainly it could be because of persecutions or tribulations or as we said early on, because we're we're sort of vexed by what's going on in the world around us. So regardless of the reason, the answer to that question is absolutely. If, if our focus is in the right place, then it definitely can be restored. So, you know, when you think about some of the things that we've been talking about in this podcast is, you know, start remembering the reasons why you have to rejoice. We might say, count your blessings. And, you know, we've read several passages. Let me just offer up a couple of others. One is in Psalm chapter 5 and verse 11. But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. So once again, we serve a great God who absolutely cares about us, wants to hear from us. And through prayer, he can relieve that anxiety that we read about in Philippians chapter 4. Here's another one. Psalm 31 verse 7. I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy for you have considered my trouble. You have known my soul and adversities. So Jesus made it a point to teach his disciples when he was here that not only does God care for us, but he considers us when we have trouble. He knows what we're going through. He knows everything about us. And he wants us to pray to him so that he can bless us and give us comfort. So that should bring joy. Our joy can be restored by knowing that truth and experiencing it. And so we talked about Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7. We also think about 1 Peter 3, 12, where it talks about, you know, the eyes are on the, the, the God's eyes are on the righteous and his ears open to our prayers. And so all of these things hopefully give us not just joy, but comfort. And God has given us direction in our life through the Bible. He teaches us how to live, to have a peaceful and productive life. So, you know, when you're living your life the way God would want you to, it should bring peace to us. Not just joy, but also peace. 
Whereas the opposite is true. If we're, we're being unrighteous, well, that should cause adversity. It should sap joy from our lives because we know we're not doing what God uh, would have us to do. And so then we have other things like, you know, he provided salvation through Jesus. If we're baptized, you know, he's given us forgiveness of sins through baptism, Acts chapter 238. And then as we read earlier in 1 Peter chapter 1, if we remain faithful to his word, he has promised us that eternal inheritance that never fades away. So it's a guarantee and it's a promise. And so I'll leave a promise with one final verse here, and that's in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4, where it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Good answer. Well, in some ways, the the other thing I'll just toss out there for our listeners to consider, as we said earlier, sometimes it's so easy to get caught up in this life and caught up in the negativity of this life that sometimes it can drive out, you know, our sense of peace, sense of joy, etc. As we as we read earlier, you know, sometimes you got to get your mind off of the negative and start focusing on the positive. Uh, certainly some of that can be you know, reading the scriptures, praying, uh, you know, associating with fellow Christians. Sometimes it's just as simple as, you know, volunteering and helping others who are, you know, less blessed than you are. Uh, you know, a lot of different techniques, Brian. Certainly is. And the Bible gives us those techniques. So <laughs> that's the good news. Exactly. All right. Next question for you, Jeff, comes from Betty. And she asks, where in the Bible do you find this phrase or scripture, this too shall pass? My mother says it is in there, but we cannot find it. Thank you in advance for your help. Yeah, Brian, this is a good example. There's a lot of biblical sounding phrases and sentences and sayings that are not in the scriptures. <laughs> it sound like they're from the Bible, but they're not. This is one of those. Um, did a little bit of research, and at least according to one website that I found, uh, this particular phrase comes from, of all people, Abraham Lincoln. The The broader quote, is from allegedly from him, it is said an Eastern monarch once charged his wise men to invent a sentence to be ever in view and which should be true and appropriate at all times and situations. His advisors presented him with the words, and this too shall pass away. How much it expresses, how chastening in the hour of pride, how consoling in the depths of affliction. And again, that comes from Abraham Lincoln. Now, Brian, admittedly, while this expression, this too shall pass, uh, is not in the Bible, certainly the Bible, as we've seen, does teach about the transitory and passing nature of things in this life. For instance, James chapter 4, verse 14 says, for you are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Uh, first Corinth, or excuse me, Second Corinthians chapter 4, uh, starting with verse 16, uh, picks up on this you know, same thought about the you know, passing nature of life. Therefore, we do not lose heart, for though our outward person is decaying, yet our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. For we know that if our earthly tent, which is our bodies, for we know if our earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not a house not made by hands, eternal in the heavens. And so in many ways, in view of this fleeting nature of life, 
um, Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, you know, teaches us to walk by faith. You know, be prepared for the judgment day, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 and verse 10. Uh, certainly the troubles and trials of life are not permanent. You know, they're also passing. Uh, and we're also assured that with you know, each of these kinds of uh, problems or temptation, you know, God will provide a means of escape, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, which is a very comforting. Uh, so even in the grand scheme of things, you know, from, from day to day or week to week, again, certainly we may, we may get drugged down by you know, the things we read about or the things we're experiencing or the things on the news, but it's all temporary. It's temporary for us, you know, because of our relatively short lifespans. Certainly temporary in terms of this planet, which, you know, eventually, you know, ends with the uh, second coming of Christ. So in, in many ways, the Bible kind of does teach this too shall pass, even though that quotation is not in there. Yeah, that's so true. And, and mothers are good at that, aren't they? You know, saying, look, this is going to pass or, you know, the world is not going to end. It's going to be OK. And so, you know, as parents, we definitely tell our children Look, no matter how bad it is right now, or it seems to be, just remember, you know, tomorrow is going to be better. This is not going to last forever. All of these sort of, uh, whether we say cliches or idioms, like you said, even if they're not in the Bible, they still can be true because those biblical principles are found there. Also true. Well, and, you know, when you were describing that, I'm kind of thinking of, you know, particularly the young, you know, when they're in school or getting bullied or getting a bad grade or whatever, the whole world is just spiraling out of control, right? But that's because they lack the perspective, like we've been talking about in our podcast, and developing that sense of, yeah, I know it's bad right now, but it will pass. <laughs> All right, so the next question, Brian, for you comes from Christina. She says, I'm a born-again believer who has surrounded herself with Christians and goes to church twice a week. I keep asking the Lord, why do I feel empty when I should feel joy? The last few days, I have not read my Bible, but have continued to pray. What is the emptiness that I feel, and why won't it go away? Yeah, that's one of those questions that's in some ways kind of difficult to answer in the sense that we don't necessarily know what causes us at times to be empty and, and those sorts of things. One thing I'll say is that all of us, could relate to the fact that some days are better than others. You know, some days you might get out of bed and you might just feel off, as we might say, or, you know, everything seems to go wrong. You know, you stub your toe and you spill something on your shirt and you run out of gas, you know, whatever it might be. It's just the 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 old idiom, you know, when it rains, it pours. It can happen. The other thing, when we go to worship God, you know, we can also be a little bit off, as we might say. So like last week, when we were in worship, we were really inspired by a song that was sung and the words were so meaningful to us. Or maybe the preacher had covered some points in their sermon that really resonated with us. But yet this week, it just doesn't, you're, you were hoping for that same level of joy and so forth. And it's just not showing up, if you will. Well, first and foremost, when we go to worship and we've been talking a lot about perspective, we, we want to remember that we're there to worship God. It's about being pleasing to him. And not so much how we feel. Now, yes, we want to be edified and encouraged, built up, all of that. And we certainly want to do that for others. But we have to be realistic and realize that that may not always happen. So let's just kind of bring it back to what the Bible teaches us. And that is, first and foremost, we have salvation through Christ Jesus. 
through the baptism for the remission of our sins, we now stand pure before God. And much like the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8 and verse 39, after he was baptized, we're told he went on his way rejoicing. Why? Because he has salvation. He's pure before God. So we should think back to that and, and understand that truth. Uh, we've talked a little bit in this podcast about serving others. So Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, Galatians 5, 13 and 14, you know, talk about that it should bring us joy when we're able to lift others up that are feeling empty or, or those kinds of things. And, you know, when you think about the church, so if you are a member of a, a church that's practicing what the Bible teaches, that should bring us joy because now we're amongst members that care for the truth. They're very careful to do what God's word would like them to do. And so now we're part of a congregation that's focused on serving the Lord. So once again, just many, many reasons why we can restore our joy. Uh, one final one I'll mention is that, you know, we're promised that crown of life that Jesus promised in Revelation 2.10 if we remain faithful unto death. And so, you know, if we're looking to the hereafter, if we're looking to eternal life, hopefully focusing on those things can restore that emptiness, right? To fill up our life again. And so final couple thoughts here. One is just some questions that we can also ask ourselves to help bring us back into alignment, you know, with perspective. Am I serving others? Am I living faithfully? Am I able to endure persecution? And when we do say, you know, I, I handled that pretty well, you should be proud of that. And so, you know, if we can answer yes to these and some other questions, then then give ourselves a reason to rejoice. Jeff? All right. Well, and you know, there may be another aspect here, you know, when we talk about, you know, having peace, having joy, rejoicing, et cetera, you know, in some ways, these are very strong emotions and it can be challenging, even if you're reading your Bible, even if you're praying, even if you're going to services, even if you're trying to, you know, for opportunities to help others, it, it may be a challenge to maintain a very high level of emotion you know, rejoicing, you know, constantly, you're going around singing all the time. It's like, well, that that might not be the kind or the level of thing that's sustainable. Right. But, right, it's, it's hard to do. But if you keep coming back, you know, again, depending on the circumstance, keep reminding yourself, keep coming back in, in terms of prayer, keep coming back in terms of, you know, counting your physical blessings, counting your spiritual blessings, and having that, long duration sense of joy and rejoicing it carries you through the hard times i guess perhaps is a, uh, is the goal we should shoot for yeah that's right all right jeff the final question for you comes to us anonymously from somebody in japan and they ask well they first say and then they ask a close friend of mine was brutally murdered i felt as if i myself was shot i was devastated as a Christian, yes, I know the Bible tells us to rejoice in the Lord. I know God is in control of everything, and I'm thankful that he is. But when my dear friend is murdered, is it wrong to grieve? Is it wrong to seek help in times like this? Does God tell us to always be happy even when someone is murdered? Is a Christian expected to be laughing and rejoicing when a friend is murdered? And then finally, is this a lack of faith that I'm grieving and mourning so bad? Right. And this, I think, it kind of ties into, you know, what we said just a few moments ago. You know, certainly the scriptures teach that there is indeed a time to weep, a time to mourn. Our listeners, based on that clue, might be thinking of Ecclesiastes, which is, yes, where we're going to go to. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, 
verse 1, verse 4, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. It goes on in verse 4, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Uh, continuing on uh, chapter 7 of Ecclesiastes, verses 2 and 3, better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for that is the end of all men, and the living will take it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by a sad countenance the heart is made better. Brian, if you would, uh, go ahead and uh, read for our listeners 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, in the context of losing, uh, losing a friend, losing a family member. Here it says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. All right. Now, we read this one earlier in our podcast, but I thought there was value in us reading it again. You know, certainly in the face of you know, sudden unexpected death or even you know, long disease followed by death you know, of a loved one, family member, close friend, etc. Uh, certainly we can weep. Certainly we can mourn. Uh, but something that can be of comfort to us if they were a faithful Christian, the fact that, yes, indeed, even though they may have you know, passed on, that there is hope, you know, there is an afterlife, you know, there is looking forward to the resurrection when Jesus comes again. And you know, if they have been faithful uh, you know, to some degree of you know, being caught up together you know, with him to meet the Lord, in the clouds. So even in the face of, of death, you know, there can be some degree of, of comfort. But, you know, coming all the way back to the original question, you know, is there a legitimate time to, you know, grieve and weep and mourn? Certainly, certainly. Those emotions put into us by our Creator have a natural expression in times of sorrow. And yet at the same time, you know, we can go through that process with some sense of, you know, encouragement and hope uh, in the long run. Brian, any other thoughts before we start to wrap stuff up for the day? Uh, no, that's good advice. I can't imagine, you know, how difficult it would be to have somebody close to you murdered. And yeah, as you said, I mean, it's absolutely appropriate to not only mourn and weep, but to rely on others for comfort. And that goes back to our point about, hey, let's lift each other up uh, because we have to lean on each other at those difficult times. So appreciate that. Um, the only thing I just might add is, is I got some uh, uh, sage advice from uh, a fellow Christian. You know, when things are going bad, like I remember a time when I was having some problems with my dad just before he died and, and my mom just before she died. You know, taking, you know, some days, you know, one step at a time, uh, you know, take a day at a time, sometimes even just like take an hour at a time, <laughs> you know, try not to, uh, you know, try to solve all of tomorrow's problems or feel that sense of, you know, being overwhelmed by so much all at once. Sometimes it's just like one step at a time. 
Yeah, good advice, definitely. Well, two more verses, and then we'll wrap this up. One is in First Thessalonians chapter five, verses sixteen through eighteen, where it says, "Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you." And then Psalm forty-six, beginning in verse one: "God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed." And though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, there is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. So God is our refuge and strength and is absolutely a very present help in trouble. So we want to remember that. Once again, as we go through difficulties and we attempt to do our best to rejoice. Jeff, before I send folks back to the website for more material, any final thoughts from you? Nope, but just keep on keeping on. <laughs> as as we mentioned in one of the questions, you know, don't get uh, you know too concerned about the, the negative things that are going on because after all, this too shall pass. <laughs> that's right. And, and that's where that statement certainly fits in. Well, for some additional material, please go to our website, BibleQuestions.org, and you can find some information on the steps to salvation. You know, certainly if you're listening and you're interested in the truth, but yet you have not been saved, so to speak. You have not been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Look at the steps to salvation section under the topics menu. Uh, you can also use our alphabetical index and go to the letter G for grace, H for happiness, and then S for sorrow suffering and salvation so certainly can find more material on this subject and as jeff mentioned keep on keeping on keep things in perspective and in all things give god the glory and rejoice in your heart thank you for listening to this edition of the bible questions podcast we invite you to visit our website at biblequestions.org where you can find over a thousand scripture-filled articles on a wide variety of bible topics along with about two dozen free Bible study lessons and other Bible study aids. Plus, you can submit a Bible question to us to get a personal response within a couple of days. Check it all out at BibleQuestions.org.